How are we doing, guys? Keep your Bibles open. You're going to need them. Cool. Well, Ephesians, what a big chapter. Um, there's so much that I could probably talk about um, in that. Uh, so hopefully my, my couple of points will be engaging. Um, but I want to start off this morning uh, a little bit differently, um, and then I'll pray afterwards. Um, I'm going to tell you a big passion of mine, something I'm really passionate about, and that is movies. I'm a massive fan of movies, and I have been for a really, really long time. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, I think I, I really love how they can engage you. Um, I love how they can depict characters. I've started to really uh, appreciate cinematography a lot more, um, and obviously being a music teacher, the music aspect of it um, is a really big thing. But in particular, I really, really love thrillers. Um, and these are two, two films that I, I particularly really enjoyed. I, I don't know whether uh, anyone's actually seen them. They're, uh, they're two M. Night Shyamalan films, um, and they're two awesome thrillers. If you ever get a chance to sit down, um, have a watch. Uh, I know that thrillers aren't for everyone. Um, some people really get, oh, it's a bit too tense for me, and I can't handle the... The thrill, but uh, someone who can just sit back and enjoy it as an artistic form. I really enjoy um, these types of movies. Uh, the main reason why I think I like them is because there is a sense of mystery. There is something missing, something that is unseen, that culminates to this beautiful ending where often there is a, there's a bit of a plot twist, there's a there's a little bit of a something that happens that causes us to go, wow, and it makes everything else in the film up until this point become really, really clear. And I think that's what I particularly enjoy about it. I think I get this from my mother, who's actually watching today. So, hi, mum. It's really excited to shout out to her. Oh, yeah, Brian. Yeah, my guy. Claps for mums. Um, so... Uh, Hello, Mum. Uh, I think I get that from her. She loves watching like NCIS and like CSI. Put your hand up if you're a fan of those sorts of shows. Yeah, we've got a couple of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, she loves those. I think the same reason because she loves the thrill. She loves the, ooh, who is it? Who's that person that's going to, you know, who did it? What's the ending? What's the ending going to be like? Um, she loves Miss Marple and, and Agatha Christie's books as well. And she enjoys reading those. So I think I get it a bit from her. Um, there's something about it, a mystery that engages us. Something about the unknown that captivates us. I often find myself wanting to go and explore, go out somewhere, meet new people, go to a new place and find something new and understand more about this wonderful world we get to call home. And there's a mystery that's in... Ephesians in this chapter that Paul talks about. But before I go any further, let me pray so you can pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the provision of community. Thank you that your word is powerful. Thank you for Paul and the Ephesians. Lord, we want to come before you today and bow at your throne. Please rid our minds of any distractions or the week to come, so that we can best serve you by listening, Lord. I pray that we can uh, just really engage with what your word's going to say to us today. Amen. Hmm. Splash back up at me. 
So just uh, have a quick context of what um, we're looking at. So um, we've looked through one and two. Thank you so much to all our wonderful people who've been preaching on that so far. But I want to give you a bit of a historical context. I love my history. Um, that's something I'm really passionate about. Um, Paul is writing to the, the Ephesians in Ephesus. Uh, this has been uh, all from his prison cell in Rome. So he's currently in prison and he's writing um, to the Ephesians. He's writing this approximately 61 to 62 AD. Uh, so that gives it a, a rough estimate of about 31 to 37 years after Jesus had passed away um, and obviously rose again. Uh, and that's a really important context because I think it, it highlights the, just how close it was to Jesus' death and, and the thought process that he's been able to get to this point. We start to explore in Ephesians 3 the mystery the mystery that is starting to be revealed. And that's really clear in verse 3. It says, The mystery made known to me by revelation. That's where he first starts talking about it. Um, in my research, uh, I, I got to see the different translations. I'm not a Greek scholar by any chance, so I'll probably say this wrong so someone can correct me afterwards. But mystery is actually different in the Greek. Um, and it's different. Normally, the mystery is something inexplicable or incomprehensible. That's how we would understand it in English. But mysterion, which is the Greek word, is different. It says, still being a secret, but no longer closely guarded, but open. It's something that everyone can have access to. Um, and in, the, in this... Uh, fast consuming world sometimes it's easy to fall into that with like spoiler alerts you can like accidentally share the endings of a film um so uh yeah it's sort of like that it's like everyone gets a everyone gets a chance to hear this um everyone gets to see what the mystery is one of the main points of the opening verses in chapter three is that the mystery that has been revealed by the spirit is inclusive to not only the jews but to the gentiles now, I think when I started looking at this, I don't know about you, we've, I, I've probably heard Gentiles used like a thousand times, but I found myself asking the question, who are the Gentiles? Like, are they a people group? Like, are they, are they like a particular, like you've got, like, you know, the, like the people of Ephesus, and then you've got like the Thessalonians. I'm like, who are the Gentiles? Like, what are the Gentiles? And I asked my housemate and did a bit of research and just to sort of figure out what it was. Um, the Gentiles is a term that was used to describe anyone that wasn't Jewish. So anyone that wasn't part of the Jewish culture, they were known as the Gentiles. This wasn't exclusive to the Hebrews um, or any particular nation. It was just anyone. Um, so it was literally just the two. We had the Jews over here and then the Gentiles. I really loved um, Murray's picture that he showed um, us last week of the temple because it sort of shows the difference between the two. We have the people of the Jews in the middle and then everything outside is the Gentiles. <laughs> now, I found myself in my life boxing God in in various ways. Maybe you can empathize with some of these thoughts. Um, these aren't all my thoughts, but uh, I've definitely heard things said like this. God couldn't answer my prayer. It's too difficult for him. God doesn't care about this in my life it's boxing them in god won't be there to help me through my struggles with my family god won't reveal to himself in a tangible way because that's not how he works god won't heal this sickness that i have this problem isn't important enough for god 
Now that's similar to what the Jews were doing. They were boxing God in, not only metaphorically, but physically, as we saw there. Let me say this, and I, I couldn't be more clear. God and can't do not go together. Let me say that again. God and can't do not go together. God can do... God can do anything and it's important that we understand that. That doesn't mean that he'll answer every single one of my prayer or want every single one of your prayers. That needs to also be clear. Okay? But God can do anything. And that's important for us to know. So this is similar. Like, as in the Jewish people for all this time are like, oh, this is how we do it. And they probably had in their, th- like, they're thinking, no, 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 it's only for us. Like, this is, this is our blessing. This is something that we've carried for generations. And their box got in. But then it's not that way. This is what Paul's trying to describe. It's like, no, no, break down those walls. Everyone can have access to that. I was thinking about this um, when the, the t- you, you know the you know the story in Jesus where the veil was torn, right? I don't know how long it would have been. Maybe it was that day. Maybe they knew somehow, but it could have potentially been a couple of days, if not longer, since they found that veil. Sometimes God sometimes breaks down the walls in our lives, and we don't even know about it. And the next time we come and approach something, we go, "Oh, I have a different feeling about that." Verses 7 to 9, we uh, start to see um, Paul explaining um, the gospel to the Gentiles. Um, It says, uh, this is through God's grace given to him to share the good news of the gospel to the Gentiles and so inevitably the Jews. I love that in um, in verse 8, he describes himself, um, and this is is straight from verse 8, although I am less than least of all of the Lord's people. Like clearly, if you if you read chapters one through to three, like he's a very eloquent, well thought person who probably had quite a high stature in in the same. But he just comes and he just goes, "I'm the least of all the Lord's people." Like, I think that's amazing. Like, I sometimes just feel like I'm. I go. I do the opposite. I feel like I just elevate myself. And be like, hey, look how cool I am. Then I can do this and I can do that. That's like a that's a massive challenge in my life. Like I should be doing that. I should be the least. Verses ten and eleven. I reckon I probably could have spent a whole sermon on, because that's a that's a challenge in itself. I'm only going to really briefly touch on it today. Um, but if this is something that you're really interested in talking about, please like come up and chat with me afterwards. I wanna I wanna talk to you about it. I'm only going to really briefly touch on it today, um, because it can be it can be a little bit tricky. So verses um ten and eleven. Um, they speak of the heavenly realms, the, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And I think that starts to sort of ask, we start to sort of ask ourselves a couple of questions. Um, well, who are these rulers? Um, what, why is Paul mentioning them in this? There's sort of two schools of thought about what that might have mean. The first is more than likely, but I'll share both with you. The first being obviously the spiritual beings, um, the, the things that are unseen that we don't we don't see in this in this realm, um, and the second could have also been the the actual like political um, or governing authorities at the time. But because of chapter six that we'll eventually get to, it's more than likely that it was actually the heavenly realms that he was speaking of. 
and we can get really bogged down in all and all of this but it's important to grasp what we what he's trying to to share here and and that is really summed up well in verse 12 um, because even though that this mystery was revealed to them it's important that we don't fear that we don't go into that being fearful going well there's this realm that we don't see i'm scared because what we don't see is something that we should be fearful of no 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 in verse 12 let me read it in him and through faith in him we may approach god with freedom and confidence so we can freely go to god and we can be confident about that but yeah as i said if that's something that you want to talk more about please like come up and um and chat with me afterwards verse 14 um as i've been researching there's an interesting fact uh, about it. It says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Uh, in, Jewish, in Jewish culture, it was uncommon for them to kneel. It was, actually, it was actually more than likely that they would pray standing up, um, just like what we would do with worship or um, sometimes when we pray. Um, so this is actually countercultural, the kneeling, the kneeling aspect. But there's also a good picture into the submission, the physical getting down on... On, on someone's knees to actually say, well, I'm going to lower myself. I'm going to be the least of these. Um, it's a really physical demonstration of, of just what Paul was going to. I just really love that. I just think that that's a wonderful picture of his submission. Now, let's go back to that mystery. Paul summarizes it so well. In chapters 1 and 2, he writes it clearly, succinctly. I reckon he'd probably do a much better job than I could. So go back and read it. But if you'd humor me, let me see if I can do my best to summarize this mystery. First, we are sinners. We are the ones who separate ourselves from God, not by anything that God did, but because of what we had done as people. That's the first thing. And it is through God's revelation to us, through the blood of Jesus Christ, that we are then saved. Even if we were sinful, God came and he saved us from our sins. That is the mystery. That is the profound truth that has been trying to be shared in this moment. And it's because of God's love that he did this. And Paul is trying to, you can hear it, you can hear it. It's almost longing in these verses in the, in the last little bit of, of this chapter. He, he's, trying to, he's trying to outlay it for us. Like, let me, let me read it. And I pray that you be rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We just don't understand. We can't, we can't grasp the love that he has for us, even though we don't deserve it. It's no longer exclusive. It's no longer just the Jews. It's for every cultural group, every people group, every nation, every family member, every friend, every child, 
everyone. Now, how good is that? Can I get an amen? Amen? Good. It's <laughs> good stuff. Let me uh, leave you with a couple of thoughts, um, questions, things. One, by God's revelation, all people groups are able to understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. And if that's the case, then who are the people that are in our life that need to hear this? Who are those people that we put in the too hard basket? Who are the people that we've been praying for and and living with and working through that it's become a little bit harder to deal with and we're starting to lose passion for that? Because if this mystery has been made to known to everyone, then perhaps we need to be working hard at trying to share that mystery so that God can reveal himself to them. Second, um, what are the things that we box God into? What are the things that we say God can't do? And if so, how do we approach humbly to God like Paul does and say, God, work in my spirit. Work in those things that I don't want to let go of. Break those boxes. Break those thought processes in my head. And thirdly, how can we best kneel before the Father in worship? That's something that's so multifaceted and and we've been exploring that as we've been trying to grapple with worship and what that looks like. But I'll leave that up to you to think about and and ponder. Let me finish um, with Great Minds Think Alike, the, our, our wonderful MCs were going to finish with this, but I'd already planned to finish, so they're going to they're gonna just pray to wrap us up. But let me pray to finish as the worship team comes up. But I'm going to pray the words that, that Paul says in the last two verses? One, two. Yeah, two verses of this of this chapter. Because I think that it turns our head heavenly towards God so let me pray this as a benediction let's pray now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work with us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.